God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll read again uh, our gospel text for today, um, just to refresh our minds. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. The tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated, uh, treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. Still a third he sent. They wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. It's not hard to grasp this parable and what Jesus is saying. And actually, every time I I read over this parable, every time it comes up, it really bugs me because it's so obvious what these people were doing and what was coming because of their actions. They saw an opportunity to find more wealth and more produce and more goods for themselves, but all the time they were ignoring the fact that there was someone who they were supposed to be paying rent to, a master, an owner. He planted this vineyard, he tilled the soil, he put the plants in and let them grow, and, and it was only by his gracious will that he decided to rent this out to them and go on a journey. He was gone. He was away from their sight, and that was probably the problem because they began to believe everything was theirs. And so that owner, that master, sends someone, and rightly so. Everything that they get from that produce, they certainly have to give to the master because he owns that land and those trees and everything that comes out of it. And yet these people, over and over again, turned the owner away. And you can feel it. As you read the story, as this parable continues on, you feel that these tenants are getting deeper and deeper into a hole that they're digging. And their logic does not make sense. Let's not give our rent. Let's actually send our servants or his servants away empty-handed, even beat up, even wounded, and maybe we're going to get more out of this than we did before. And it always irritated me. How could they not see it? How can they not see the trap that they created for themselves, that they laid down in front of themselves, the one that they were making because they lost sight of the owner? And that was a problem. They lost sight of him. When he was physically gone from them, they believed that all of a sudden they could get whatever they could and do whatever they wanted with that vineyard, and they showed it by sending the servants away again and again. And it had come back to bite them. 
but they didn't realize it. Because they had a perception of this owner, this master, that we get, just hearing this parable, we, we get this, this narrator's view of this whole story where we see the master and what he's thinking, and we see the, the tenants and what they're thinking, and, and what they think is every time that master comes around and puts out in his hand and says, you need to give me a share of the produce, they feel like he's a slave driver. Why is he cutting in our profits? Why is he trying to take stuff from us that we worked really hard to create? The time we spent in the fields, the time we spent weeding and watering and tilling, why would we give him any single thing? To these tenants, the owner became a villain. The owner became the the, the person that they didn't want around because somehow he was cutting in on their life and what they wanted to do. And they didn't see it coming. Every time they sent a servant away, and it it got more and more violent each time, they they ended up wounding a servant and sending them away empty And you begin to realize the picture that God is putting here. They're only giving emptiness to God. There is nothing substantial that they would give to an owner who would be able to come and wipe them out and cast them out of their vineyard. They had nothing. And you can see when that happens. It actually happened in the Old Testament a lot. When God would come to his people and he would ask something of his people and he'd say, just give me this and it'll be good for you. In fact, it wasn't really anything like produce or wealth or money. He would come through his prophets and he would say, give me this people. Give me your repentance and your, your for- forgiveness of sins. Give me your contrition over what you have done and put away your idols and your false teachings, get rid of it all, and yet, what happened most times? They would reject God's messengers, the prophets that God would send to them. They would look at them and and choose evil over righteousness. They would take people like Jeremiah and throw him into a well Trying to kill him, they would take people like Elijah and cast him out into the desert. They'd take people like John the Baptist in the New Testament and literally chop off his head because they didn't like what God was asking of him. You know what John the Baptist asked? He asked for repentance from Herod. He called Herod out for sexual immorality. And so John found himself in a dungeon. And that, at the request of a stripper, his head was cut off. And they didn't see it. Because our life isn't a parable. It's hard to see sometimes what we're doing and that we're actually robbing ourselves of the blessings by trying to lose sight of our God. That's what happens so much. We lose sight. 
When we look at our own lives, we, we know we've been forgiven. But still there's this, this sinful heart in us that acts like the tenants. That we look at everything around us, our, every blessing that God has given us, and all of a sudden we begin to believe that it's ours and ours alone. Think of times when, when God in his commandments comes to us and he says, obey my command. When he says, give faithful offerings to me and we go to God and we say, you're a slave driver. I'm just trying to live here. And here you're putting out your hand and trying to take more from me. When God calls us and he says, repent of your sins. And we turn around and we say, I'm not the one in need of repentance. These people need repentance, not me. When all of a sudden, the blessings of this world become more important than the master that gives them, all of a sudden, we're acting a lot like unfaithful tenants who foolishly take steps to their own demise, who sends God's messages and messengers away saying, I I don't want anything to do with this. All I want are the blessings. You know what that makes us? Gold diggers. If you're in it only for the blessings, God becomes a means to an end. God becomes a person through which we get all the wonderful things, and so he's only a stepping stone to that wonderful thing, the the blessings of this life, the blessings of eternal life. All of a sudden, we lose sight of God out the side of our eyes. We say, God, we don't want your messages. We don't want your calls to repentance because we feel as if we only want the blessings. And we give up emptiness. In how we act towards others, when we lose sight of God, we become empty. Becoming arrogant to each other and unloving to to each other because we're only in it for what benefits us. We lost sight of God, we're empty. And that's the very thing that Jesus was talking about. Our passion reading for this week, it, it... it highlights what we talked about last time. We, we pass over Herod and Pilate who, who botched innocence and left Jesus guilty. And it goes to, to another scandal that we, we see the people who are standing there in front of Pilate yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate, foolishly, he, he takes Barabbas, a, a a criminal, a murderer, and he says, who would you rather have? Would you have the Son of God, someone who is innocent and righteous, or would you have a criminal that is evil and foolish and that will do you harm? And what do the people yell? Give us Barabbas. They lost sight of God. They would rather have evil than righteousness. They would rather risk death and, 
and life and limb rather than be given life itself. They chose, and you see, they chose foolishly like those tenants, digging themselves into a deeper and deeper pit. And you know what happens? The parable asks, you know what that master is going to do? Going to kill him. Slowly filling that cup of wrath up until God comes and says, No more. But even before that, to deal with this irrational thinking, God had to go to irrational lengths. To deal with people who who couldn't see the harm they were causing themselves by not focusing on God and His mercy and His love and seeing that His commandments are good and His call to repentance are wonderful for us and filling. That owner reasoned, maybe they'll listen to my son. Now this parable doesn't bring this out, but you see pretty clearly who this is. The owner is God the Father. And he tells his son to go to these tenants, who he knows will turn them away. And he knows will, will hurt and wound him, and yet he still sends his son. And that son goes willingly, Jesus, knowing that they will hurt and harm him. And yet he continues to go. And they did just as he thought. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. The irony of this all? This is exactly what Jesus was talking about in this parable. You're going to reject my son. And immediately after this parable, you hear the Pharisees and the teachers of the law trying to figure out a way to put their hands on the Son of God, righteousness, innocent. They're trying to figure it out. And they eventually do it when they stand before Pilate and yell, crucify him, crucify him, and put him on a cross and kill him. And yet you see God's amazing grace in doing it. Let's flip this parable around a bit. You're the owner. What would you do? The first time they come back with empty rent, what are you going to do? I'll get them out. Maybe you're gracious. The second time you send someone, they send empty rent back and your messenger beat up. What are you going to do? Get them out. Maybe you're extremely gracious and you send a third one to go and get the rent. And they come back and there's wounds on them. What are you going to do? You're going to call the police and get them out of there. And what would you never do? You would never send your child to those people. And yet that's exactly what God did. Because he never lost sight of what was valuable. 
the people he loves so much. He would send his son and send us his word again and again and again so that maybe perhaps we would stop giving up these empty offerings to God, being so selfish and foolish, thinking that the the things in this world are ours and ours to use and not to glorify God. And he would show us the ultimate sacrifice. I will give you my son so that you don't lose sight of me. And so when sin and wickedness come from our actions, there is his son who has died for that sin and wickedness and given us righteousness and holiness. When when we have when we are arrogant and we still think that God should bless us, even though we are arrogant and, and live life as we feel we should live it. Because sometimes we think we can live however we want and still get God's blessings. There Christ is, dying for our arrogance, taking the consequences of that arrogance on him and giving us peace. Taking a, a life that we have lived foolishly and given us a life that is purposeful, meaningful, his own. Your God loves you so much that he would send you again and again the message, the message to repent, produce fruits, so that your life would be full. No longer are our actions empty. Because Christ focuses again on God. No longer are our actions worthless and actually leading us into this trap. Because in Christ, he says, I I have paid for them. I, I have been wounded for them. And by faith, they have life eternal. It was God's decision, his irrational decision, to send us again and again, his messengers and his son, so that we would be heirs. You see how foolish that was, the way they're thinking? Let's kill the son and we'll become heirs. Their focus was wrong. They, they were trying to earn God's favor by what they did, their traditions. That's why we don't stand up here and I don't say to you, here are the things now that you have to do that God will give you his blessings. You have to obey the Ten Commandments. You have to do everything that he says. Instead, we refocus and I, we see him from a different view. That when God reaches out his hands... And he asks something of us. It's not because he's a slave driver or trying to make our life difficult. But in producing fruits in our lives, through our repentance, through our offering, through our love and encouragement for one another, in doing that, he's always pointing our eyes towards himself. 
He's training us to, to see that as we give fruits that we have been given, He blesses us even all the more with the fruits that He wants us to have. He, he focuses our eyes not on the, the material things of this world, uh, of the vineyard, but He focuses on the Master who loves us and who makes us His heir. Because His Son willingly died for us. We are not empty. We're full. We have everything that God has to give us. His blessings, His love, His Son. We thank God that He has taken away the emptiness and given us life by deciding to continue to love us even though He shouldn't have. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, printed for you on page 5 in your bulletin. We confess. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Come to judge the living and the dead. Even the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, life everlasting. Amen.